Welcome to USURF Spotlight, a new series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we discuss major topics and issues in the news and explore how those issues are impacting religious freedom around the globe. Here is USURF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, leading this week's discussion. Welcome to USURF Spotlight. Today we're gonna to talk about some of the major developments in international religious freedom, both positive and negative, that USURF followed in 2020, as well as some of the likely challenges that we'll be following in 2021. We're also gonna hear about some of, the, some of USURF's top line recommendations for US policy for the incoming Biden administration. As is often the case, the past year brought to light some serious threats to religious freedom in many of the countries that we cover. And those challenges are certain to persist in the year ahead. However, there were also some success stories, including in places that many of us, frankly, would not have expected even just a few years ago. Today, we're fortunate to have with us USURF Chair Gail Manchin joining us to discuss the state of international religious freedom as we launch into 2021. Welcome. Thank you, Dwight. It's great to be here with you, even if it's only virtually. <laughs> Absolutely. Great to have you. She's serving her second two-year term and was appointed to the commission by Senator Chuck Schumer in 2018 and reappointed in 2020. So tell us, Chair Manchin, what are some of the most significant positive developments that USURF can point to over the last year? Certainly, one of the bright spots in the past year um, was our work with Sudan and the new interim government there, uh, which has just really been amazing in terms of uh, when they came into power and came into the United States. We met with them then and they brought their leaders from every aspect of their government, talked about what they wanted to do and then went back and actually started doing those things. The changes that they made uh, with women, uh, religious minorities and other groups that had been tremendously uh, suffering and tortured under the previous uh, government reign. And so it's noteworthy that as we have continued to watch that uh, Sudan has uh, continued work, and of course, we moved them from a country of particular concern to a special watch list. And as we continue to watch, we continue to be impressed that they uh, are continuing to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk and opening these doors of religious freedom across their country. So very encouraged by that. And then uh, in another area, uh, USURF continues to applaud Uzbekistan's uh, advances in recent years. They continue to engage with the Uzbek government to encourage to reform some of the uh, restrictions uh, of the 1998 religious law. It uh, has received uh, many recommendations from the U.S. government and from USURF and international organizations as well um, in ways that they can improve that law. So we hope that in this coming year, 
Uzbekistan will adopt uh, some of those recommendations and address the flaws in the draft law that they uh, that they have uh, presented so far, because they're still requiring religious groups to register with the government. Uh, they're limiting the ability to share and teach one's beliefs and in uh, places of government are still have a very strong control on all religious literature. So still work to be done, but it's encouraging. And then in terms of US policy in 2020, you serve was so pleased uh, to finally welcome the President Trump's appointment of Sarah Macon uh, as a special advisor on earth in the National Security Council. That brings uh, religious freedom right into the conversation uh, at every level. And we also uh, welcome the designation of Assistant Secretary of State for Democracy, Human Rights and Labor, Robert A. Destros, uh, to serve concurrently as the U.S. Special Coordinator uh, for Tibetan issues. And right, as you know, these are two positions that USERP had been recommending for several years. And so that we're very happy with. So we certainly encourage the Biden administration to promptly uh, fill those positions, maintain them, fill them, and also uh, other positions that are related to international religious freedom. For example, the ambassador at large for USERF is uh, particularly important with all the work that is going on globally. And we would like a quick appointment for a special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism which uh, has grown as, at an alarming rate uh, around the world in these last few years. We also welcomed uh, some legislation over the past year that uh, passed that advances accountability for violations such as the Tibet Policy and Support Act and the, and the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act and other bills that we've seen uh, that are pending. Uh, like the Ukraine Religious Freedom Support uh, Act, as well as the Uyghur Force uh, Labor Prevention Act, things that we'd like to see move. But despite some of those signs of positive change in the countries you mentioned, and of course, in U.S. policy, USERF also reported on alarming conditions in a number of countries. Uh, what uh, could you tell us were some of the most serious challenges to religious freedom around the world uh, that USERF uh, sees on the horizon for 2021? Well, Dwight, uh, China, uh, unfortunately, sort of remains in a league of its own uh, in terms of its abhorrent religious freedom conditions and for spreading its influence uh, to various parts of the globe uh, you know, in, in all arenas, domestic and economic and certainly into, this, into religion. And so we are uh, especially alarmed by the mass per persecution uh, and detention of the Uyghur Muslims in the Xinjiang uh, region. Uh, we've also found deeply troubling China's increasing crackdown 
on human and political rights in Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong's new nas national security law, uh, which has been used to persecute uh, activists in Hong Kong, could have sweeping implications uh, for religious freedom in that city. And then in Nigeria, the religious conditions there have deteriorated to such a point in the past year that the U.S. State Department designated them as a, a country of particular concern. Religious prisoners of conscience, like Yahya Sharif uh, Aminu and Mubarak uh, Bala, have been detained and charged for nothing more than expressing their religious faith. But meanwhile, non-state actors like the Boko Haram and Islamic State of West Africa continue to attack houses of worship and have abducted and murdered dozens of individuals based on their religious faith. Uh, and that is just really increased in this past year. And as USERF's recent report uh, that we released has demonstrated anti-blasphemy laws uh, around the world and the societal violence that often accompany, accompanies uh, blasphemy-related legislation and rhetoric uh, continue to result in severe abuses of religious freedom in many parts of the world including uh, Pakistan, Egypt, and Russia. We also uh, see the concerning rise of eth ethno-religious nationalism in South and Southeast Asia, including India, Brunei, uh, Malaysia, and Indonesia, which is hardening of attitudes toward religious freedom for both minority and majority religion. But at the same time, uh, always nice to, to kind of bring it back to a balance, we're seeing an increase in intersectional activism from our civil society uh, organizations who are advocating for freedom of religion and belief, uh, not only within their own countries, but also regionally. So uh, seeing very strong activity there, which is good. So, so far, uh, you know, we've touched on only a small handful of the countries uh, on which USERF reports. Could you share uh, with us some of the other potential concerns and so-called hotspots that USERF has been following and will continue to follow more closely in the year ahead? Sure. Well, one, white, as you know, in Sri Lanka, uh, reports of forced cremations uh, remain deeply concerning due to religious beliefs there. And in March 2020, the Sri Lankan Ministry of Health uh, issued new guidelines uh, stating cremation is compulsory for those who died of COVID-19. Contrary to the World Health Organization guidelines and reversing uh, previous guidance from the Sri Lankan government. And Dwight, I, I just intersect here to say, obviously, um, the staff, we all realize that COVID-19 
has been an issue in and of itself in this past year, how countries go about, uh, first of all, hopefully protecting their citizens, making it safer, but on the other hand, uh, in many cases, using it as a method of persecution, even blaming religions for, uh, for causing the virus. Certainly COVID-19 has been a challenge for everyone, but certainly in the arena of international religious freedom, it continues to be uh, a, a, an area that we moderate very, very closely, as you know. Going back then, despite these guidelines, these forced cremations continue. A policy that uh, USERF has spoke out against earlier this year, uh, as it does infringe on the religious freedom of Muslims who reject cremation as a violation of uh, Islamic burial practice. Then North Korea uh, remains one of those repressive countries for religious people who experience horrific abuses and very limited information, of course, comes from there uh, that's available to us in regard to just how bad or how comprehensive that mistreatment uh, is or the conditions there. In Pakistan, religious freedom uh, conditions are dire. Sectarian and religiously motivated violence is chronic. And the Pakistani government has failed to protect uh, members of religious minorities. Targeted killings and hate speech issued actually by the government toward religious minorities, particularly the Ahmadiyya community. Riots and mob violence targeting the Shia Muslims and Hindu places of worship, forced conversions and forced marriages of females, many times under the age of 18, from the Hindu and Christian communities, and an uptick in uh, registered blasphemy cases, again, going back to our report, are issues that certainly have marked religious freedom conditions in Pakistan in, in 2020. Uh, Pakistanis' uh, uh, blasphemy laws and the anti-Ahmadi laws uh, used in combination with the new media rules 2020 are abused for purposes uh, of personal gain or vendetta, enabling the systematic discrimination based strictly on religious belief. Russia continues to accelerate its uh, national purge of Jehovah Witnesses and routinely charge peaceful Muslim citizens with extremism and terrorism without providing any evidence of either of those. We are pleased with the uh, incremental positive changes in religious freedom that have been made by the Vietnamese government uh, over the years. But certainly we remain concerned about the country's persecution 
of unregistered religious groups and practitioners. The plight of the ethnic minority Christian groups in the Central Highlands area uh, and the uh, condition of religious prisoners uh, are of great concern. So the challenges remain, Dwight. Indeed. No, thanks for that overview. It gives us, it, it sets us up well here, I think, for looking, because we look at conditions, obviously, we spend a good amount of time monitoring conditions, but obviously part of our mandate includes a significant focus on making uh, recommendations on how the U.S. government, you know, should approach and advocate for religious freedom around the world. Now, given that uh, a new administration is just uh, coming in, what are some of you sort of specific hopes and plans for engagement uh, with the incoming leadership in your estimation? Well, I'm I'm very uh, hopeful and optimistic. I believe that certainly I think you sure you sir shares this belief that we look forward to engaging uh, with the incoming uh, Biden Harris administration. Uh, we hope that the new administration uh, not only will maintain but indeed expand on the infinite emphasis of international religious freedom and what we've been able to achieve in the past couple of years. Certainly the ministerials, the International Religious Freedom Alliance, the organization, the Earth Roundtable, all of these organizations really working together have been very successful and very positive. This, this issue is is one that transcends politics. It's not a Democratic or a Republican issue. Uh, this is human rights. We certainly know that if there's any anyone uh, that's very passionate and caring uh, about human rights and condition of people, it's President Biden. So we certainly look forward to this being a priority uh, in in the in the administration, and thereby hopefully a speedy appointment of a well qualified ambassador at large for international religious freedom to continue uh, the outstanding work that uh, the ambassadors ha- who have held these positions uh, in the recent past, uh, certainly uh, David Saperstein. Uh, in during two years of the Obama administration, and then uh, in these last four years, Ambassador Sam Brownback, who certainly uh, spearheaded and and began and ran beautifully uh, two ministerials uh, in person uh, here in the United States, and then this last year in Poland, the virtual ministerial, but very uplifting uh, around the world to see these kind of issues being addressed, not just by the United States leading, but other countries stepping up to the plate to advocate for and provide leadership in uh, in uniting people around international religious freedom. We also encourage, it's very important that uh, that the administration will, as appointments come up for USERF commissioners, that's very important that they promptly go ahead and um, appoint those people to fill the positions. Uh, I know 
being in my second term, uh, how important it is that we have that continuity, nine commissioners, that we have the opportunity to get to know one another and work together uh, to move forward. And we do that uh, in a very positive and nonpartisan way. But those commissioners need to be in those seats so they can uh, begin to understand the enormous uh, challenges, but also the enormous opportunities that are afforded each of us that serve in these positions and also the ability to work with you, Dwight, and the entire uh, very competent professional staff that you serve. It, it certainly is a, a team effort. This basic human right of religious freedom or belief or non-belief, I mean, it, it encompasses all of the above, is just something that takes all of us around the world working together. We know from experience that countries care what we think about them. And they react, uh, hopefully more in a, in a positive way as they start changing, reviewing their laws. And of course, most importantly, Dwight, releasing religious prisoners of conscience. At the end of the day, uh, that is the key to everything that we do helping these people around the world, giving them a, vo a, a voice and a face and hope that uh, they have not been forgotten and that we continue to work every day for their release from prison based on nothing other than their religious beliefs. And we'll have to leave it right uh, here. I wanna thank you, Serve Chair Gail Manchin for her insights today, but also her leadership uh, this past year, we've been in a precarious situation with COVID-19 here in the United States and around the world, but uh, she's led the commission for all these months going now into uh, 2021. So I wanna thank you for that. You can find USURF's work on all the countries we discussed today on our website at usurf.gov. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on USURF Spotlight.